All right, y'all ready for this? Let's get it on. All right, boys and girls, welcome to the Bass Kayak and Brewers podcast. With me today is Brian Howe and Jason Campbell. If you're watching, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube, leave a comment. Let us know where you're listening from or watching from. If you're watching or listening on our MP3 um, platforms like Spotify or Apple TV or Apple TV, Apple Podcasts, do me a favor. Give us your thumbs up, your five-star reviews. It really does help out with the growth of the podcast. And if you're watching right now, feel free to share it. It doesn't cost you anything. We're going to be talking about Fairfield. Like the title says, Love Letter to Fairfield. Um, For those of you that may be um, watching from out of state, Fairfield is an amazing lake here in Texas. And the good thing about... not There's nothing good about that lake being closed. But... You know how we love lakes, but we really don't talk about it on the podcast or on social media because it's frowned upon. But since it's closing, we can really go ahead and dive into some of the, the stuff. Shout out to uh, Cliff Allen, who's watching, my ninjas. So, Jason, Brian, special guest for today, man. Thank you for hopping in, man. How are you guys doing? Let's start with you, Brian. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Jason. Hello, sir. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to have the former Texas Bandits, right? Lone Star Bandits, yeah. Lone Star Bandits. Now, yeah. I got to ask you, I know KFL is done. I heard, I just watched a YouTube video on KBN News, which is a new thing that Jeff Malott is doing, which I think is great. So I guess there's a new, like, a, something new with team fishing that just came up, and it has, like, 12 teams. Any thought about the Lone Star Bandits making an appearance in that league? I don't know. We're waiting to see kind of what's what all is happening. Well, you guys made it like pretty decent in KFL fishing Furfield. I remember one of the guys, I think it was uh Dan Perry, my co-host for Advanced Kayak Anglers. He was coming down here when the Alabama Hammers were competing and he was asking, like, what lake are you fishing? So Furfield, you're gonna have a good time. <laughs> You're yeah. definitely going to have a good time. And after two days of pre-fishing, he was like, that lake is amazing. Um, tell us, Jason, let's start with you. What is, Where did you find out about Fairfield? And what was your first time fishing in Fairfield? Um, my first time fishing Fairfield, I learned about it from, uh, uh, obviously, Derek Miller and Jim Louvier, yeah. and what's your I mean, they know that lake from my understanding, inside and out, and um, went out there and just kind of scoped around, you know, a little bit myself. My first first few times out there, man, it was it was unbelievable. It was, I mean, a lot of grass, a lot of timber, a lot of reeds, which I like. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's just a fisherman's paradise. It's a beautiful lake. It's not that big. So, I mean, you could cover the lake and you could learn just about anything. In a couple of days, you could learn that whole lake, in my opinion. Especially if you have electronics and you can find things on the bottom out in deep water that nobody sees. I mean, I, I, I love the lake. I hate to see it go. Yeah, I think it's 
I don't know if it's a wide term, but I think it's like a very straightforward lake. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of lakes that you have, well, you offshore points, your timber, your laydowns. That was pretty much just grass and a couple of, you know, um, not, well, yeah, there was a couple of spots with uh, standing timber, but, you know, some laydowns yeah. and everything, but it was pretty much straightforward. Brian, yeah. how about you? What was your first experience? How do you learn about, um, and it, for you, it's interesting because you had just moved from California not that long ago, right? Yeah, I'm, this is, you know, I've been here about four years, four and a half years now. So I've been here for a while, but at first I was kind of, I don't know, I was like apprehensive about fishing Fairfields. Like everybody goes there. Every, well, at that time, I guess it wasn't everybody went there yet, but a lot of guys went there and it was, you know, a secret honey hole, like secret kind of, you know, honey hole like Derek and Jim, like uh, Jason was saying. And a couple other guys, Silas Garrett, Tim Rodman. I know they were all fishing it, catching giants out of there all the time. But I was just like, I, I don't know. I just felt like I didn't want to go. It was like, oh, another lake I have to learn. And, like, I don't know if it's just me. It's like you hear about a really good lake, and you're almost intimidated to fish it because you don't want to be disappointed. Yeah. It's kind of weird. And then the I didn't just – I did never fished it until we started doing that KFL, and it was like, well – I guess I gotta go learn it because we're fishing it, you know, for our events. So I want to fish some of those. So I went out there, you know, with just by myself, trying to figure it out. Like Jim gave me some spots. I think Jason kind of, you know, gave me some spots or whatever too, and just went fishing. And I didn't really like the lake at first, to be honest with you. I was like, eh, it's okay. Really? And I'm the guy that likes grass lakes. I love grass. I know. Lakes. So I don't know. I just like it didn't. I wasn't really feeling it that much. I don't know why. I just. I didn't like it that much. And then I went, you know, we fished our first match. Uh, and Jason was just killing them. And I was sitting there. I was doing okay. But I never felt like I really figured it out the first couple times I went. It took, you know, a few times. That was also in the middle of the summer. So, you know, probably the worst time of the year to fish that lake. In yeah. my opinion, just hydrilla, you know, for days. Like, you don't really – it's hard to figure out the spots when there's just that much hydrilla. So, eventually – you know, I learned it by going later, you know, in the wintertime when there's less hydrilla. You're like, oh, here's, you know, the holes and the pockets and there's a little ditch here and whatever and learned it better that way. Yeah. And quick shout out to David Morris watching from Lake McClure, California and 915 Jack Club. One of the my first experience with the Furfield. Well, how I got to know about Furfield, first of all, um, Jeff. Derek, I think it was either Dustin Nichols or Jeff Isham, one of them, because I had that conversation with them both the same day. I was going to Lake Fork for the first time, and I wanted to get some intel. So I, I was already in Lake Fork, and I couldn't figure out anything. I went to Mustang Creek. Couldn't, didn't catch anything. Uh, so I messaged both of them, kind of like, hey, man, like, you know, what should I look for here in Lake Fork? And with I, I can't remember if it was Dustin or Jeff Isham, but one of them, the conversation went into, you have to go to Furfield. And I did research Fairfield, and the more I think about it, the more I, <laughs> I realized maybe Jim and Derek paid the Texas Wildlife Department to post this on their, on their uh, page. Because when I went to research, I went to Texas Wildlife Parks and Wildlife Department, <laughs> and I looked up Fairfield, and it said, you know how it has this chart, and it'll say catfish, blue uh, bass bluegill blah 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 and i'll put categories excellent good fair bad it actually had it as bad or something like that i can't remember if the word's bad 
it's been it's changed since then. But I was like, why am I driving two and a half hours to this lake if it says right there that it's not a good lake? <laughs> and then Tim Rotman and Silas Garrett, which I had on the podcast way back when, I think it was, uh, I, I think it might have been. No, I was already in Paddle and Finn by then. And I was trying to cover local tournaments. And they had just faced the North Texas Kayak Championship run by Duke Tran. And they put on a show like it was like 105 and 104 inches each one. So I was like, oh, I got to bring them on the podcast and talk about it. And in the pre-recording, they told me, it's like, no, that that is an amazing fishery. You should definitely go check it out. I'm like, well, there you go. Not to always follow the fishing reports on on uh, on this on the Texas Wildlife Park, Parks and Wildlife Department. So there's my yeah. advice to anybody out there. Yeah, but I it's in that real quick. Yeah, I it's. I was like, yeah, some of them say poor, and you're like, yes, poor. That's I, like word, my buddy. Poor. My exactly. buddy, yeah, poor. My buddy in the bass boat, he always like, oh no, this lake says poor. Why does it say poor on there? I'm like, trust me, don't follow that. Like, <laughs> we need to go to this lake. Yes, which is good because, like, in a way, because then, it, like, people like myself were discouraged to drive over there and get there. <laughs> So finally, after talking to them, I was like, and having them on the podcast, like, no, I got to go. So I know Jason Campbell, which uh, we had talked about, about another lake that should be unnamed. Because I know if I name that lake, I may not make it to next week. I know five <laughs> people that would literally take me out if I mentioned that lake. But Jason, you and I go to a lake somewhere in Texas. Um, and... Uh, you were telling me about that lake as well. So I went to Fairfield and the day before I texted you, Jason. I said, hey, I'm going to Fairfield and I'll never forget this. What should I do? And the first thing you told me, the only thing you told me is like, find the grass line, throw a chatterbait and hold on to your rod. That's it. <laughs> I'm like, all right, drop in the mic here. Let's do it. And sure enough, man, as soon as I found the grass line, I was thinking in my head, Find the grass line, tie the chatterbait, throw it, hold on to my rod. And sure enough, and I had the reel somewhere on, on Instagram. And sure enough, man, that thing just annihilated. I'm like, God bless Jason Campbell. And I mentioned it on the video. But yeah, man, it's yeah. it's an amazing, amazing lake. I've Fortunately, I only got to fish it once. And I thought I had more time. And now I realize I may not have as much time as I used to. But... Let's talk to start with you now. Um, Brian, what's your personal best in Lake Fairfield? Honestly, my best one I ever caught there was only like a six and a half. I'm not the guy that, you know, was pounding Fairfield all the time. I had never caught any giants. I lost a couple really big ones, but I just couldn't get them in the boat for whatever reason. What would you usually throw in? Well, what do you usually throw when you go to Fairfield? This time of year, a chatterbait and a lipless is all you need. In the summertime, I'd go and punch. And those really, those three things are what I caught almost every single one of my Fairfield bass on. Cliff Allen mentioning John Stockman, your boy is still patrol there or ask, asking the question. John Stockman, he used to run the DFW kayak uh, tournament, if I'm not mistaken, back with yeah, uh, the kayak anglers of Fort Worth. Yeah. Kayak anglers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kayak anglers of Fort Worth. There was. Uh, Sponsored by Anglers Pro. Yeah, I haven't seen John Stockman since I used to fish that trail. Yeah. I wonder what he's doing now. Um, Jason, what was your favorite bait? And what was your personal best in Fairfield? Oh, 
I would have to say, because majority of the time we only fished it in the summertime or, you know, when it was like super duper hot. And I believe that Dave, me, and Brian were in the same, pretty much in the same area. <laughs> I was using a black and blue uh, Berkeley 10 inch worm. Yeah. And I had a sapphire, sapphire blue tail. And then I switched to a plum worm. And man, they wore that out. They love that thing. You find brim beds or you find lay downs out there and throw those big worms over that log, drag it over that log, 10, 15, 10 to 15 feet of water. You're catching 22, 23s all day long. Yeah, you smashed them that day. Like, I was just sitting there watching, honestly. I was, you know, I was catching some, but he was just big one after big one after big one on that black worm with the blue tail. James uh, saying he used to drop shot. That's interesting. Like, that's like a power drop shot. Well, we call that a gym shot. Yeah. (laughs) Jim, by the way, Jimmy. That's who you need to have on here. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, Jim, we can't have a show without Derek. I know Derek Miller couldn't come. I never met Jim, but I've heard that's also. So, Jim, if you want to join, um, I don't have your contact message. Uh, Jason, he'll ch- Jason, you can share the link with Jim if he messaged you. Yeah. If you can, no pressure, Jim. If you can't, you can't. But we would love to have you on. I know you're one of the OGs. Uh, I know there's a question here about... Uh, Cliff Allen, did it get any better after the power plant shut down? You know, I never fished it. Going back to the Texas Wildlife Department uh, page, it used to say that it was good, but it had gotten worse because the power plant was gone and or closed and they were not restocking that lake anymore. Uh, did, have any, did any of you fish? I don't even know where that power plant uh, closed. So did anybody fish that lake? Before the power plant was closed, I know I, I didn't. Did. I I think it closed after. I think it closed maybe before I moved, or like around the time I moved, or something like that. Jason, I think Jason is frozen. He's probably messaging Jim. I just sent Jim the link right now. Okay, yeah, that's Jason. Cool. I think Jason's back. Yeah, so that, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Like said, I, I'm sorry. I, no, sir, I haven't. I like I said, I, I didn't fish it till maybe last year. Whenever I found out about it, and we were going to go there for our, our matches, and like I said, everything that I knew about the lake, uh, like I said, Jim and Derek's on the only one that I got all my info from. Yeah, and Jim kind of go, going out there and learned some on my own, you know. Yeah, I'd be interested because I think it'll be something similar to what's that power plant lake that Texas Kayak Bass League fished started the year with well, the past power hour, not Palestine. Well, well. No, it wasn't Welch, was it? Fayette. Fayette, yeah. I always couldn't get Fairfield and Fayette confused. I used to get confused. <laughs> the Fs. Because, yeah, the Fs. And they were both kind of similar. Well, one doesn't have a power plant anymore, obviously. But it was it it always seemed like it was one of those, and Jim is coming up. I'll get Jim in here in a second. But it was one of those lakes, Lake Aston is similar, where it's like it really shines. And I don't know if it's just because it's a grass lake and the grass is kind of like, reciting a little bit now you know that that it's middle winter but it's a great winter lake um jim pleasure to have you on man thank you for joining us at the last minute jimbo what's up jim yeah i just got back from fairfield 
<laughs> so this is so i'm glad you i got you on jim because i looked at the i was actually gonna go yesterday but i kept looking at the uh webs again don't follow the texas wildlife department page it, it said like the ramps were clo- the way i read it was the ramps were closed because they were removing equipment but i guess the ramps are open you can launch for the ramp or are you launching from the bank no the ramps are open till the park closes so it's it, Please, please let it be yes. Is it open on the 27th? Yeah. I sure as hell am not going this weekend. Everybody on the mother is going to be fishing this weekend there. <laughs> yeah. You're going uh, this weekend, Jim? Man, it, it was a zoo today. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, Monday will be kind of people. It's going to be so pressured, though. Like this, those bass are going to be seeing it, done it, not interested. Find something else to throw. <laughs> Gonna throw like a inline spinner or something. <laughs> Twenty four today in for that that row row tournament, and uh, I caught two twenty ones and a twenty, and Derek, and he's thirty yards from three and quarters. Man, I, it's such a shame that Blaze is leaving. Jim, I Cliff Allen was on. Uh, here on the not the live, but on the comment section, asking if it was a better lake when it was a, the power plant was open. You know, you get that warm water in winter. Warm water in winter. Did you fish it when the power plant was open? I never. No, the first time I ever that North Texas tournament. The one with Silas Garrett and Tim Rotman came first and second. No, I, actually, I won. Oh, you won it. The one, yeah, I won it when I. You got a kidding cutting off, but what year was that, Jim? If you can repeat it. I don't remember, like in 20. Gotta be, yeah, because I think Tim and Silas were in 2021. So what was your first experience at Fairfield like? My first one? Yeah. Uh you know, Derek Miller some tournaments with him. I never really fished tournaments, and the first one we were gonna fish was Fairfield. So him went out there, went scouting. And straight across from the boat ramp, the cove straight across from the south boat ramp, I saw a guy catch about eight bass, I saw, and then I heard him scream a while later. So, well, he caught two big ones, and I went there in the afternoon. And I told Derek, I, said, I can get in there next Saturday and keep everybody else out. I, said, I can win right there. And I caught 102 and a half inches. 102 and how much you said? 102 and a half? Yeah. Hundred and two and a half. That is awesome. How many times have you gone since then? Oh, since then, probably a hundred. <laughs> Those fish know you by name. You're more like Jim's pet right now. You know, I asking. I can't tell you. I don't know what my best day on the airfield was. I always had. You know, I had like a hundred and close to ten one day, but I don't. A hundred on Fairfield. I mean, I just lose track. Wow. It's, it's, and and your biggest one? What's been your biggest one there? Twenty four and a half. Twenty four and a half. And weight? Do you remember taking the weight on it? I didn't weigh it. No, same as me. I don't weight my fish, and I think that's going to come bite me one day. Um, Cliff Allen was saying, um, Athens. You say I think that was a little way back. Yeah, Athens. I think Cliff is is a great lake. Uh, Athens, I'm sorry, is a great lake in in winter as well. I don't know what is it about grassy lakes, and I don't know if it's everywhere. Cause 
outside of Texas, only a handful of lakes I fish. But it seems like the grassier the lake is, the better it is on winter. Any got any thoughts on why that is? Brian, I know you used to, not that there was a lot of grass in California, but I remember when you first came on the podcast, you talked about, you know, how in California you were very different from everybody else. Yeah. Well, mostly everybody else because you targeted grass. Well, in California, that is yeah, not well, usually the fish. The thing is, in the winter for California, there's not really much grass. At least the lake I used to fish because they'd go spray it in the fall, yeah. you know, right as you're going into winter. So you'd have barely any. But I actually did catch a 10-pounder one day in December when it's just, you know, fishing the little clumps that are remaining. And then I go back out there like two days later. I make a joke. Oh, yeah, I'm going to catch an even bigger one today. And I go out and catch an 11 and a quarter. You know, two days later, just fishing a different bait, but still in those grass clumps. It, it, I don't know. Just grass in the winter is phenomenal. You can go to literally any lake. Any lake I yeah. can think of it has grass. It's going to be good in the winter. You can go to Athens in the winter time. I probably shouldn't be yes. talking about it, but you can go oh, to Athens in the winter time and I mean, you'll see barely any boats out there. You, someday you'll be the only person on the water for like four or five hours. You'll just be looking around, like you'll show up to the ramp. There's not a single person at like 9 a.m. And you go out there and catch 50 fish. And you're like, wow, okay. People just don't want to go out in the cold or what? Are they in the deer stand? Something. I don't know. But they don't know that it's good. I don't know. I don't understand it. Yeah, no, Athens is really good. I don't, I don't think like Fairfield was a secret. Like once I learned about Fairfield, you know, I talked to Jason. I was like, yeah, I think I would really get a lot of hate formation Fairfield. Like, you know, unless we're covering a tournament, but just in like, oh, you know, spread out the word about Fairfield is probably frowned upon. But Athens is, I think it's pretty much uh, well known. And um, I think I froze for a second. You guys could hear me, right? Still? Yeah, I can hear yeah. you. you can Jim, what was your favorite bait on Fairfield? You know, I'm a soft plastic. In fact, the biggest bait I caught in Fairfield was a 24 and a half. I caught it on a lipless, uh, on a chatterbait. And it's it one of the first times I caught a chatterbait. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I never throw it. I, I'm a, I mostly throw worms. I, I power shot probably 80% of the time. Most of the time on Fairfield, I'm using using a, a like a ten and a half inch worm. Um, I either use a ten and a half inch like the uh, the the uh, zoom worms, or I'll use the Magnum Trick worm. Sometimes I use a six inch worm, but normally what I do is I put my weight at the bottom of the worm. So if I'm using a ten and a half inch worm, I have a ten and a half inch drop, right? And I adjust my weight weight based on how deep of water I'm fishing. You know, if I'm in 15, throwing out into 15 feet of water, I'll use a quarter inch weight. I mean, a quarter ounce weight, because that weight, even in 15 feet of water, it's pretty buoyant down there. You, your your string is pulling up on that weight a lot. Yeah. If I'm in if I'm in real shallow water, I'll, I'll use like even all the way down to a one sixteenth ounce weight. All right, but but one of the big advantages of a drop shot in grass is that when your when your weight gets grass on it with a Texas rig worm, that's a wasted cast because the bass will not eat that worm with grass. But on a drop shot, when your weight gets grass on it, your worm is in front of it. It's free. It doesn't very seldom does my worm ever come back with a power shot or a drop shot with grass on the worm. 
So even though you're dragging grass, you could still catch a fish. And I don't know, someday tie a drop shot and go in your yard and get that weight stuck in the grass and jiggle your rod tip and watch what that worm is doing. Yeah. That worm has a tremendous amount of action on it. That thing's bouncing like, like a little kangaroo on the ground, you know, just like a little mouse. Because they, they, they don't, you don't have any weight in front of it. When you're Texas rig worm, you're just basically dragging that thing. But on a drop shot, you got a lot of action. And if you get the weight stuck, and when the weight pops free, that worm darts. And you get a lot of reaction strikes. In fact, that tournament I told you I won on Fairfield, I would throw towards the bank and, and get a fish pick up my worm. And I'm not lying to you. I would set the hook when the bass had swam under my kayak and was on the other side of my kayak. Are you serious? No. Yes. Are you serious? No, I'm serious. I mean, I would that that bass would have that worm in his mouth for 30, 40 seconds. Because what happens with, with when when <laughs> how do so, you resist the temptation to just set the hook well, though? Well, so the fish, so remember I said when the weight gets stuck and it pops free, that bass reaction strikes. So what happens is that bass reaction strikes, but now he's coming at you. Because the worm was coming straight at you. So the bass eased the worm and he's swimming towards you. Well, your line just goes slack. And then your line goes slack. And your line goes slack. Well, sometimes they turn around and they go back and you could set the hook. But sometimes they don't. The bigger fish, let me tell you one good way to know you got a big bass. Brian won't know that because he doesn't fish this. Like this. <laughs> he, he's he's Damn, over there. Shades. He's over there with a half ounce weight. I mean, a one ounce weight, you know, slamming on their heads. Not yeah. so, but but when a bass, a big bass, eats a meal, he immediately starts. She goes heads for deep water. She mm -hmm. eats and she's going back out in the deep water to digest her meal. So when you're doing a power shot like this and you get that fish to pick up that worm and it eats a 10 and a half inch worm, it's got what it wants. And now it's going deep. And so you, if a lot of times when that bass turns around and goes back, I, I know I got a small one. But when you cook a bass with that power shot and they just continually swimming out towards deep water and not fast, just nice and slow, you go up, I got a big one on, just be patient. Mm -hmm. And keep another thing, they don't have the marble in their mouth. Right when you Texas rig a worm, you just put a marble in that bass's mouth. That weight is like a marble, like you sticking a marble in your mouth. With a drop shot, there ain't no weight in that fish's mouth. It's only that soft worm. It feels real, real natural to them. They they don't spit it out as much. You know that's one of, one of the things about love that I love doing about this podcast. You get golden nuggets like that that I've never even heard before. And obviously you won tournaments. You, you know, I'm not, I don't doubt anything that you're saying. What I, I find amazing about this is the willpower to not set that hook and just be that patient, especially I if you think that you, you have this huge bass, you know, that, that is, when did you decide that that was a good idea? I just want to know how the idea that came out so, came about. So number one, I, I look. Excuse my language. I suck at fast hook sets. I can't do it. <laughs> I just cannot set the hook fast. All right. I have to convince myself that the fish is either 
sideways to me or swimming away from me, or I will not set the hook. And so it's just my nature. I, 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 I just am not good at trying to, when I'm the minute the fish hits it to set the hook, I, I always pause. That is There's, interesting. Brian, Jason, you ever heard somebody, have you heard that before other than from Jim? Somebody doing that, like, oh, just watch it swim for a little bit before I set the hook, Brian? I mean, with Senkos, maybe. Not with drop yeah. shot, really. Senkos, for sure. Sometimes you don't really oh. feel the bite. Same deal. So a wacky worm, yeah, when yeah. you're doing a wacky worm, I mean, your line goes slack. What do you do? You, yeah. You, you, you have to make sure. You wait. You wait, right? Oh, yeah, you no, mean, on a wacky rig, I get it. On a drop shot. I've never heard of on a drop well, shot. Well, start fishing a drop shot and, and grass, and I'm telling you, you're going to have it happen. Your line is going to go slack. You just That bass is going to grab it, and your line's going to go slack, and you go, what do I do? If you reel up too fast, when you, you'll reel into the fish and he'll feel it and he'll blow your bait out of his mouth, right? So yep. you reel up the slack and, and then it, you get some, you know, where you just about, you got a nice arc in your line and it goes slack again. So you reel up again and it goes slack again. Well, at some point in time you go, well, I'm just going to let him swim under the kayak and go to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> the first the first 24 I caught on Fairfield, that I, I did that. He picked it up. And I waited till he got the other side of my my uh, kayak, and I, I did that with a twenty four. I promise you one thing: as soon as we're done here, I will go and set up my drop shot because I don't have a drop shot tied. And don't well, use the I round, don't know when since I don't know when. Don't use the round <laughs> weights. Use the, the the long weights. Yeah, yeah, the and cylinder the other, weights. The cylinder the sil weights. The cylinder yeah. weights. Yeah. And yeah, the other the thing you can do is you can buy some cheap split rings and you could use a regular Texas worm, Texas rig weight, run it through there and just tie it to a split ring. Mm -hmm. And you can oh, nice. just use a regular Texas rig. That's what I was doing today. Nice. Oh, Jeez. and you were asking about Fairfield getting better. So let me tell you, in 20, or one of the first time I fished the tournament there, that year I caught three 24s in Fairfield. Wow. Okay, the next in year- In one day? I, no, no, in one year. Okay. All right, the next year I caught four. Last year I caught seven, and Derek Miller caught 15. 15, golly. And he caught, his big one was actually 25. So when you say, is Fairfield getting better when they turn the power plant off? It's it's getting better every year since they've turned the power plant off. The fish are getting bigger. There you go, Cliff. If you're watching, that's your answer right there. And I wonder, because I remember going back to that, uh, the Texas Wildlife Department website, they weren't restocking them. So I wonder if they're still, re well, not anymore, I'm assuming. But I can understand if it was once it went private and whatever, like, I wonder if at any point they started restocking them back up in the last few years. I think years. it's just good genetics. It inherent. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they stocked it with Florida strain bass at some point in time, and it's just got good genetics in it. And you were also asking about grass. So think about this. A bass is a white meat fish. Okay? You know, like a striped bass is a red meat fish. A, a largemouth bass is a white meat fish. So it is an ambush feeder it is not a it, it is not it does not thrive where it has to chase down shad yes. for a living. exactly yeah. right it wants to if it's going to thrive it's got to live in an environment where it can hide and dart and eat fish on a dart right 
And so anytime you got a lake that's got grass, you have a potential to have bigger bass. I mean, ivy doesn't have grass in it, right? It's got, I don't know if you ever went to ivy when it was low. I went there 10 years ago when it was 35 feet low. Wow. The, bank, the banks had 15 foot tall mountain cedars. And dude, I don't know that you could walk through them. They were so thick. <laughs> so that's what's happened. That's why ivy is thriving now. It's not because it, it came up and, and you have miles of 15 foot tall mountain cedars that got flooded. That the in fact, um Guillermo Gonzalez told told Derek, treat the treat the mountain cedars just like grass. Just fish them like you would fish grass. Because to the bass, it's the same thing. They can get in those mountain cedars, they can set up their ambush point and they can do their ambush feeding. And they're not having to swim around the lake continuously burning calories chasing down shad oh no i uh i think of uh of like going back to what you mentioned i think of bass like uh i compared to bass like a lion and uh sand bass or white bass like a uh cheetah you know you see the ones yeah. built for speed the other ones built for power you see yeah. when you go to open lake that's where you see the stripers the white bass and then in the creeks in the coves in you know in the grass that's where you see the bass like you mentioned they're more of an ambush yeah. they're not built for speed oh and one more thing so another thing that makes bass thrive is crawfish yes all right and fairfield i don't know if you know it but this not it's very common to catch a bass in fairfield and have crawfish whiskers sticking out of its throat Yep. And, and Fairfield's got big, I mean, some big old, I'm from Louisiana, man. I'd love to go catch me a sack <laughs> of them things. They are big old crawfish, man. And what's weird is they're red, some big old red crawfish. Is that why red baits get bit so good there? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's that's what I was using today um, was a, a red worm. What were you going to say, Jason? Sorry. I said that's um, why I'm worm marks, Greg. Yeah. The, the what now? I'm sorry. I, I, I lost the you there. The plum. Oh, the plum. plum yeah, I know you're big on that one. Yeah, I know you told me before you love you love that uh, oh. plum color, uh, either plastic, soft plastic worms, creature baits. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this, and let's start with you, Brian. On um, as far as Texas lakes that you fish, where does Fairfield rank for you? It's definitely in the top five for sure. If not top three, maybe. What about you, Jason? I would say top three. And you, Jim, what do you say? Yeah, you know, so go look. I don't know if you ever do this, Armando. I mean, I like, you know, Derek Miller ruined me, by the way. I used to just go catch bass, and then he showed me that you could go catch big bass. <laughs> yeah. All right, so so now when I figure out a new lake, I, I routinely go to the Parks and Wildlife and go look at the Lunker program and see where people yeah. are catching big bass, right? So, so when you say where does Fairfield stack up, Fairfield is clearly the third best lake in Texas. All right. It produced the third largest number of fish in the Lunker program for the last couple of years. In fact, right now it's second. Yeah, right now it has eight yeah. of the Lunker class, you know, the eight plus 24 inch yeah. plus class. Yeah. And I and to be honest, I think um I would rank it more in the sense I know OH Ivy gets the a lot of publicity, but that's because you got you know you get you got a couple of social media guys, and I'm not hating on them. It's just what they do, and 
you know, how they 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 get their sponsorship, and that's great. No hate on that. But they are out there just constantly, you know, with their graphs, with the live scope, just hunting down that trophy bass to create, to, you know, to help their social media content. And again, not hating on them. But I think that's why OHIV gets that. Like, if you think about Fairfield, I don't think there's, I haven't seen anybody, any social media content creators, hardly anybody other than Derek Miller. And actually, Derek Miller doesn't even post it that much um, of, of, you know, showing off what they caught on Fairfield. So I would say Fairfield is actually better just because it produces without getting all that publicity. Now that it's getting the publicity, of course, but before then, you know, before we knew there was going to get close, there was really, nobody was talking about Fairfield, thankfully. (laughs) You know, it wasn't on social media. It was more word of mouth. Like you said, Derek talking to Jason, Jason talking to Brian, Brian, uh, Jason talking to me, Jim talking to, you know, it was more word of mouth than content creation um, uh, publicity. So I, I really think Fairfield, and I granted I've only gone once to Fairfield, but it was again probably along with that other lake that Jason won't let me name here. Um, <laughs> that was my two best my two best days were that lake where I was with Carlos Torres, um, and we were smacking him. Jason was there that day. Funny story about that lake, which again I'm not not Fairfield, not mentioning not mentioning the name. But me and Carlos, between us, we caught like 50 bass. And I'm not even joking. Carlos must have caught like 30 of them. I must have caught like 20 of them. And I was curious because I know Jason was there. So I messaged him later on. like, And I was just like, hey, Jason, you're not going to believe this. We caught 50 bass. We got, you know, I got, you know, like, I think I got a 20 inch and all that. And then Jason doesn't. The only thing he replies is a picture of what he caught. I'm like, okay, I bow down to you, Jason. (laughs) As much as I thought I had the best day out there, you obviously had a better day than me that day. Um, But yeah, that and Fairfield. And one of the things that I wanted to mention, and I, I, I think I mentioned it when I had Alex rod on, on my podcast. Um, I went to the first time. Well, the only time I went to Fairfield, I was with the intention that I wanted to create some content, maybe make some YouTube video out of it. Now, I had talked to somebody that was out of state, but had fished recently fished Fairfield for a tournament. And they had told me the intel that I got was that um, that Fairfield, because the plant was closed, those areas that were like roped off that says do not trespass, do not go fishing, that was outdated because it no longer power plant is open. So they just never bothered to remove that. And I took their word for it. And I fish and I'll even, well, I'm not going to share it with because if I share it, then people are going to start going there this weekend. But there are areas, and for those that know, know, that are literally roped off. Um and I was, again, I was the under impression that I could fish there because, again, power plant was closed. So those things were just never removed, but you can fish it. And I fished that stretch and I had the best day I don't think that I've ever had. Like at one point I was, and I was telling Jason and Brian the pre-recording, it was literally calling my own, like I was calling it. Like I was casting, I was like, I'm going to get a bite right here. I'm going to get a bite right here. I'm going to get it. I could see them patrolling the bank and just coming in and out of the creek to the bank, just hunting down bluegill or whatever. It is. I think it was bluegill because I don't think there was, didn't look like 
uh, ball of shad. It mo- looked more like individual fish, which kind of matches what a bluegill, uh, you know, how they fish. Uh, it, regardless, it was just an amazing day. And it, the, the, those parts of Fairfield that are um, untouched are even better <laughs> than the rest of the lake. That's the, the ironic thing about it. Like it, there, it was literally fish that haven't seen a lure in God knows when. And no matter what you throw, and I was throwing a, a, a black and blue jackhammer and then a, a B-Light Delight, I think is the other name of the jackhammer. That one, that's one of my favorite ones. And either one I throw was just long story short. When I got back to the boat ramp, I started thinking, it's like, man, this boat ramp is full of trailers, boat trailers. Why did nobody fish? Like, am I the only one? So I did ask a ranger when I was living and said, hey, listen, I fished this area because I was told. I just want to make sure when I come back, did I get that right? And they're like, no, if we catch you there, it's an $800 fine. Thankfully, they didn't find me because they were like, well, you know, you're coming up front and telling us, but no, don't ever go back there. And that is like, I feel sad because it's like, man, I don't, that is, I'm so tempted now that it's closing to be like, yeah, maybe they'll let me go. I saw, I saw a boat go in there. I was there three or four days ago and I saw a boat go in there. And, uh, and uh, you saw a boat going, well, Brian. In the, in the outlet. I also had somebody tell me that they went in there and caught a ton of bass and then got oh, yeah, a, no. and then got a ticket. So, but they didn't tell me how much. No, ticket. Eight hundred dollars ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. so you've only been to Fairfield once. Let me tell you another thing about Fairfield. It has huge bluegill. I mean, like I went one day and I I bought yes. a nice chest and I caught ninety five, and I bet you every one of them weighed at least a pound. Really? Oh, yeah, you. That's hey, why they're so big. Those bass. Uh, yeah, that day I, I went with I, you. I watched you catch them. Yeah, you fillet them. You fillet them with an electric fillet knife. They're literally that big. They're wow. huge. Yeah. I got uh, mm-hmm. a couple of shout outs here. Oops. Uh, JL Scott fishing and eats. What's up, mates? JL, are you from uh, Australia, mates? But I guess by the map, by the icon now. But shout out to JL. Scott fishing and eats. I got Todd Patrick. How y'all? What's going on? Todd, haven't seen you in a long time, man. Hope you're doing great. Derek Miller slayed them on Fairfield KFV Challenge Series for years. KF, I'm I'm assuming he meant KBF. Yeah, Never, KBF. KBF, yeah. yeah. And uh Welch, I think he's talking about that lake that's on name. So yeah, Todd Patrick is Welch. Wink, wink. It's not Welch, but we'll say it's Welch. <laughs> we'll say it. Lone Star Valley, Tally 26 in inch of Fairfield. Just call it Jason's Lake. That's what I always yeah. call Yeah, that. Well, one is Derek Miller's Lake. The other one is Jason's Lake, yeah. Or Jim's Lake as well. <laughs> but um, I wanted also to talk about the – well, before that, Brian, you and I and Jason, we were talking about the pre-recording. I don't know if you want to mention it. But you mentioned somebody got uh, DQ'd from. You want to tell that story, or you rather yeah, not? Yeah, sure. Yeah, there was like some boat tournament, like some smaller boat tournament. They were fishing Fairfield maybe like two months ago, and apparently, what the thing was, the one of the competitors, he was a younger guy. He asked like the tournament director, "Oh, am I allowed to fish back here?" They told him no. You know, back beyond the spot where you were fishing, they told him no, you can't fish back there. And he goes back there and fishes it anyway in the tournament. Nobody knows he was fishing back there. I guess nobody saw him or anything like that. 
He gets third place in the tournament. And then he goes on TikTok, posts a video of him back there on TikTok. Some of the other competitors in the tournament see him, you know, breaking the law, <laughs> fishing you know, against the tournament rules and everything. And they ended up disqualifying him and, you know, taking away his third place and all that. And it was like <laughs> some young, young guy. That is so. stupid at both levels, doing it and then posting on it. Yeah, that, that was so stupid. Like to go and post you breaking, like cheating in a tournament. Like it, they specifically told him he couldn't do that. And he's literally just cheating in the tournament and breaking the law and then goes and posts it on social media. How stupid can you get? And in, I know in Texas, and I learned this from the, um, I guess, controversy happened a few years ago with the, uh, I think it was Hobie BOS with that bended. Um, Hawk trough, I think it was Lake Fork. And one of the things yeah. that we're talking about, if it's if the prize money is ten thousand dollars or more, like if it's more than five figures, I think the government gets involved. Like it's I am not a lawyer. Felony, something, yeah. something like that. It's like it's serious. Yeah. So if it's more than like ten thousand dollars, it it is and I and I'm saying like I think it's not just first place, like total pass price pony payout if it exceeds ten thousand dollars i think it's like you yeah, know this was just some small like you know 20 boat tournament yeah. 30 boat maybe something like that yeah it wasn't anything crazy kid was you know kid was cheating over winning a couple hundred bucks yeah, yeah i don't nothing is worth um your reputation and your name now i don't care how big the payouts is springfield camping are you close as well for field jl it's it's close on the 28th so everything, the whole park is closed uh, on, starting on the 28th. I, before we dive into why it was closed and some of the recent developments, of, um, I guess there's some organizations that want to stop, you know, the closure of it. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But I also wanted to highlight something that I love about Fairfield. Um, and that, that was the wildlife aspect of it. Because it's not just the lake. I mean, it, it is for you know, camping, trail hikes, and whatever else you want, you know, involved in in lake activities. It is a great place for, like, wildlife. I know, Jason, you have encountered, like, otters. I myself, um, and I was telling you guys on the pre-recording, I saw something that I've never thought, thought I would see here in Texas, and I didn't even know what it was. But I was fishing that area where I, was, where I wasn't supposed to fish, and I'm looking, I'm hearing something in the trees and I'm looking at this like dead tree. And in it was this like cat-like creature with a like raccoon tail. And I was like, it's not a raccoon. It's not a cat. And I pulled up my phone and I started researching cat um, raccoon look um, like rodent or creature. And sure enough, it was, and it was, I think it's called ringtail cat. And I was mm -hmm. looking at the pictures on Google and I was looking at that animal and I tried to get it on my GoPro, but it had that super wide angle. So you can't really see it. But that was an experience that I'll never forget watching something that I was like, man, I've never seen that. And I thought maybe I'm seeing it wrong. And I, you know, went into again, park, Texas Park Wildlife Department, research ringtail cat. It turns out there are, that's the biggest, um, like look in here in Texas, that's where they're mostly located, that Fairfield and east of Fairfield area. And I was like, man, that's sad that if it's true that it's being sold to a developer that's gonna turn that into a golf course and and you know and 
multi-million dollar houses. I feel like we're getting, as Texans, and not just Texans, people that are visiting from out of state, even out of country, we're getting cheated out of a great natural resources with great wildlife. Um, and, and just like a few hours short of, you know, of downtown Dallas. What's Jason and Jim and Brian, especially Jim, you've been there for a long, long time. Let's start with you. Well, I mean, have you? Ex- what's the experience for wildlife? Have you seen there? I know there's gators. I've seen hogs. I've seen ringtail cats. I've seen otters. What have you seen over there that it's kind of like caught your eye and enjoyed watching? Well, one of my favorite things to watch ever is a bald eagle. Yes. You know, and and uh, I was there, um, or was it earlier this year? And a bald eagle was at chasing an osprey. The osprey had a bluegill in its talons, and it literally passed like ten feet over my head. And uh, he chased it around a while, and finally the, the osprey uh, dropped dropped the bur- the bluegill, and and they both just flew off. But but I love watching the eagles. Yeah, you know, um, and and also and otters are cool. You know, Fairfield is the only place I've ever been where you could literally. I've been within 10 feet of an otter. Yeah. Um, Lake Monticello, you go to Lake Monticello and try to take a picture of an otter. I don't know if they've been shot or what, but you put, you looking at one and you pull that camera up and they go. I don't know when yeah. they see that, that lens of that camera, <laughs> they haul it. But I've, I've had them on Fairfield. I've been, I've yeah. had an otter swim right up by me and look at me. And that's just so cool to be that close to them. Yeah, I had them in that same place again, but I shouldn't have been. They were curious and, and they travel in family packs. So they were curious about what I was doing. So they were following me all along that stretch. Like I would yeah. stop and cast and they would get off the bank and just kind of pop their head, look at me and go underneath the kayak. And I was like, man, at some point it was scary because I was like, they still have teeth and they're still a wild animal. And if they all of a sudden want to jump me, there's a little I can do to, you know, they may not kill me, but she was going to give me. Uh, ruined my day Jason what about you uh what is your experience I know you were telling me you caught you you know fish with otters over there as well anything else that caught your eye while you were there oh just just getting getting there to the lake itself on those farm market roads man there's I counted one night or I'd say one morning about two to three o'clock in the morning I can't it was a full moon night I was going to meet Jared Brockman. We were going to go scout the lake one day for a tournament. And I counted 25 deer. Wow. There was an eight eight point that run out in the middle of the road, and I almost clipped it. It was the biggest buck I've ever seen in my life. It was massive. He was a beast. And like I said, and once you get inside the park, we I counted probably five or six. I took my wife down there and she was fishing in the Lady Slayers tournament. And I told her, I said, once we get on this county road, I think it was 833 or something like that. Anyway, I said, I, I promise you, you want to make a bet? I said, well, can't, I can't, we'll, we will count 15 deer before we get to the state park. And sure enough, there were 16 deer before we got to the state park area that morning. But as far as the lake's concerned, I mean, there's a bunch of otters. I've seen maybe one, one or two eagles. Uh, those little, those little otters, man, they're everywhere. Yeah, coots. I mean, it's it, it's full of wildlife. Hogs. You can hear them early in the morning up on the bank rooting around. I mean, it's, it's a bunch of wildlife. 
bunch of wildlife. Speaking of that, that day that I went and that was close to the ramp um, where the reeds are, I heard this squeal like it was. I mean, it was crazy how loud that was, but there was a squealing and some water trashing. And the only thing I can think of, there's a gator must have had a pig or something. <laughs> and I am not going to go there to explode. It was like in the reeds, but you can hear the trashing in the water. You can hear that pig squealing for its life. I'm like, whatever it's going on there, it's not good. And I ain't going <laughs> to go check it out. <laughs> but I ain't missing never, nobody's meal. <laughs> I've never seen any gators there, though. I never seen yeah, them. I hate they are, but I haven't seen them. I, I've had the game warden tell me that they got one that stays by the dam, and he told me he had personally seen it. So I have no reason to think he wasn't telling me the truth. But I've never seen one on Fairfield. No, and I mean it's it's pretty thick. I mean when you see those reed lines, I mean it's once they get in there, you yeah. hard that you spot them. It's not like Lake Fork when they're out sunbathing and you're like I'm right next to a twelve foot gator here. That. But but they got they got hogs by the hundreds. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of hogs. There's a lot of hogs over there. Brian, yeah. what about you? I know you haven't had as much experience as this guy's, but have you encountered any wildlife? And what was some of your, other than fishing, bass fishing? One of some of the things you liked about Fairfield? Yeah, like you like you said, you always see wildlife there. I mean, the otters. To me, the otters are the coolest thing. Yeah. Like I saw one time, maybe you know couple months ago actually it was the otter had like a six pound bass i don't know if he caught oh, the man. six pound bass or it was just a floater and he grabbed it or what but he was just sitting in those reeds just chowing down on a six pounder i thought it was crazy i was like man that's the biggest bass i've seen all day <laughs> <laughs> and then another time uh i think it was the last time i went there was a bunch of coot just doing their thing eating the grass or whatever they do and a, one of those ospreys just swooping down on them just terrorizing those cute, just trying to eat one, you know, just trying to like wait for one to screw up like, like a bass, you know, like they'll try to get that shad that's not, you know, goes up the other yeah. direction away from the school or whatever. Same thing. He was just trying to get one of those little, those, uh, those little cute and just snatch it up. He never got one that I saw, but he, he was trying for like 30 minutes. It was yeah. pretty cool to watch. Yeah. I know the wildlife aspect of it is kind of like underrated, but you know, we often think as fishermen, we often think, well, we're going to lose a great fishery, but it's not just that. Like you mentioned, it's if it really is going to develop into a, another stupid golf course. And and I respect everybody that, you know, everybody enjoys golf. And, you know, it's great <laughs> to be at those beautiful greens. But really, I, I mean, mean it's can, some private thing. There's, uh, yeah, I know. There's so <laughs> much open land place. here yeah. that you can build a golf course in the other place. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, what, so allegedly, and I and I um, full disclosure, I'm not completely. Um, I, I don't have the full information of you know what is going on. From I got bits and pieces from articles I've read and all that. And if you guys have more information, you can share it. But apparently, this so the the land was still owned by that power plant, and they were leasing it out to the government for you know as a state park, and then. I guess their version of it is like, hey, listen, we try to negotiate in good faith with the government. They don't want to pay us as much as this is worth. So we're selling it. So they eventually sold it. And then the new company is going to turn it into, from what I've read, I don't know the facts. I don't I haven't spoken to anybody that is within that of the group that purchased that uh, for a few like, but from what I understand, it's going to be turned into a golf course in some um, expensive uh, houses. 
which means we're going to lose access to that lake. I, you know, that that's, I'm torn with it because I don't believe the government should have the right to tell you what to do with your land. But at the same time, this is a natural resource that, that extend just beyond, beyond our enjoyment. Like I mentioned, the wildlife, the resources, people from out of state visiting and all that. There is a, 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 a group I, I read that is trying to stop the sale. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what the parameters of that is. I don't know if it's, I imagine it's going to have little effect on the eventual resort. But I want to speak about something that, what I do know, and that me coming from Puerto Rico, I want to share the experience that, that was in Puerto Rico, not to say that they do it better or anything like that. This is just something that happens in Puerto Rico. So in Puerto Rico, you can't own the beach. Like when the grass ends and the sand starts, that's public. Nobody can own the beach, which is very different from a lot of Caribbean islands where a hotel can buy you know, land and actually privatize the beach. In Puerto Rico, you cannot privatize the beach. What a lot of these um, companies that wanted to develop um, uh, you know, expensive housing projects and, uh, and hotels and all that, what they would do is they would buy the land surrounding it and therefore you lost access to, to the lake. A group, a nonprofit organization was suing um, uh, because of the restricted access. And their version, and I think this might be something that might help in a certain way or find a way to like still keep Fairfield open to the public. So what they were saying is like, if you use taxpayers' money to develop part of that project, you were use, uh, you know, housing project, whatever, then you cannot close it to the public because it's the taxpayers who pay for it. For example, when a company wants to develop a land and want to build multi-million dollar houses, they'll go to the county or, you know, state or whatever, and they'll say, hey, listen, we're going to develop this land into big housing. It's going to bring you more money to the area, more money to the county. Um, we just need help with the roads and, you know, the utilities and all that. So taxpayer money is used to develop this, um, you know, utilities and roads and all that and for this private land. So what this uh, organization did, like they suited on those parameters. Now, we all know, and I'm not saying this happened in Texas, but we all know in Puerto Rico, you know, lawyers, I mean, judges get bought all the time, money talks. They will buy out and they will get, a, you know, those big development companies who get, um, you know, the decision in their favor. So when that ended up happening, is they took it all the way to the Supreme Court. Now, for those that are not familiar with Puerto Rico law and all that, um, and I don't blame you for it, if you're not, it's Puerto Rico is just basically Hawaii. We're, we're, we're an island, but we're still part of the United States. Everybody's a U.S. citizen. It's just there's a it's not a nickel worth the difference between Hawaii in Puerto Rico as far as what it relates to the continent, to U.S. and the United States of America. I just want to clarify that. When I say they appeal to the Supreme Court, I'm talking they appeal to the Supreme Court of the United States. And obviously, it's a lot harder to buy the judges from the Supreme Court. If I'm not saying you can't, but we all know. So they eventually said, yeah, no, if taxpayers' money was used to develop part of this, the utilities, whatever, you cannot close this now to the public because the taxpayers pay for it. Now, I don't know if that applies to Fairfield 
or not, I have no idea, and I'm not a lawyer. But let's just say that lake, the dam that uh, was built to make that lake was used with public funds or taxpayers' money, there is a good chance a nonprofit organization could take this all the way to Swinkorn and say, you can own the land around this fair field, but you cannot own the lake because the lake was built by the state. Again, I don't know. It could be that it was made by the state, and then eventually the company that owned the land paid off. You know, it was sold off. In that case, even if the taxpayers pay for it, if the government sold it, sold it, then that money goes back to the government, and therefore that's null. Again, I don't know, and I'm speaking way out of my knowledge here. But I'm just saying that could be something that could happen if it is explored. If, if it's taxpayers' money, if we're used to develop Fairfield, then there's a good chance, you know, something like Supreme Court could say, no, you can't keep sentence out of it because they pay for it you know but we'll yeah we'll yeah we'll but the problem like you're saying is access like yeah. say they own all the land around it well yeah. how do you get on the lake now helicopter i mean yeah yeah which you is know, it, texas is funny by the way so in the state of texas i don't understand how they do this but texas says we own the water in yeah. every in every impoundment in the state of Texas, that exactly. includes that includes private tank ponds in farmers' fields. Texas yes. says they own all the water, but in Texas, if it's a private lake, they own the water, but they do not own the land under the water. And so, property owners own a slice of pie all the way out to the middle of the lake from their land. They, the property owners, own the land under the water exactly in, in texas and my and, understanding is that all those power plant lakes all those lakes were actually built by the power plants when they when they put those it could power be plants, yeah put those power plants up they owned it all um and i was told that the lease for fairfield and i read this in the article and i was told by this the guy at the park was that the lease that texas signed said that when if ever the lease was not renewed that any improvements that texas made to that land the the state forfeited yeah see the state screwed up big time and the beginning is how they created the whole thing honestly is what it sounds like well yeah. i think they, you think about it that that park's been there for 50 years i don't think they ever envisioned the power no. plant closing yeah. they they never thought that Texas would have been dumb enough to close coal-fired power plants and think that windmills could actually provide winter I mean, provide electricity in an ice storm. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's another rabbit hole. But yeah, no, you, you're right about that. I don't think they expected. Again, there's a lot of like stuff that's way over our heads. I'm not a lawyer, nor do I pretend to be. But it's interesting. I'm, I'm hoping that at some point something can be reached where even if Again, I'm not in favor of the government taking your property. Now, the, I think what I was reading on that article is the government can say, as if the government says, hey, we'll pay you the value, whatever the value is of that property, then the state, I think, has the first option. I guess they can say, no, I'll, you know, this is what's value. I'm going to buy it. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I so, doubt that the state is just going to invest 
what is it, a hundred million dollars on that property? I don't think that's they have happen. the money at well, this yeah. point. So Armando, I was I was yeah. told that and I think I was told this by a ranger at the park that at the time the property went for sale, the state did not have the money. Yeah. Right. And then since then they got the money, but they didn't get the money till this investor had put a contract on the property. Yeah, that's what I heard too. And now the investor is saying, nah, I don't want to sell. We'll see. I and again, I mean, I don't want to get into all this, but you know, you get politicians that go and say, Oh, that's horrible and all that. That's what you and again, I'm not saying anybody in particular, but I know from we all know this, you know money underneath the table and you know you can say whatever you want to say on the media side of it but if you're getting some money underneath the table to not fight it or you know stall your fight until this is done with you know this i i hear a lot of you know people in power saying oh this is horrible i mean we've all known for the last two years that this was going to happen at some point yeah. i mean if it was that horrible you would you would have done something before and again i don't want to get into politics i'm not you know, but it's it's just something that that one thing is what's right and what's you know what what are the rights are of the state. The other thing is getting um, the people in you know that work for the government in line with what it's best for the people and not what money's being handed under the table. I'm not accusing anybody, but we I mean it wouldn't be the first time something like that happens, right? Money talks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, so Go ahead. If you got a minute, let me tell you the future life cycle. I'm going to predict the future life cycle of Fairfield. Go All ahead. Right? And, and I, I have lots of reasons to support my prediction. So they're going to develop this golf course. They're going to build these million dollar homes. And then all these fancy people, they're not going to want grass in their lake. Oh, yeah. They're, right. They're going to want to go water ski and, and tubing and all of this stuff. They don't want gators so either. Well, so they're going to pay somebody to go spray the grass and then the lake that was the second or third best lake in the state of Texas for bass fishing is going to, is going to become one of the worst. That's because when you get, because when you, when you get rid of grass in Fairfield, there's nothing left. Yeah. There's nothing left. There's going to be a, 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 a Benbrook, Lake Benbrook. Yeah. I don't know if you ever fish Lake Benbrook, but you know, I call them bathtub lakes. That's what I call the Texas lakes that just have, Mud, mud, a mud bottom and nice round lake. I just call them a bathtub lake. Yeah. Right? It's just going to become another bathtub lake. Yeah. yeah, Benbrook is close to where I live. And it's, I, I've i gone there a couple of times. Not my favorite lake, but they have some big bass, though. Well, I've I, caught a seven, some seven and a half pounders yeah. out of Benbrook. It's got some big bass, but, but yeah. they're not that, they're not that many. Yeah. But the I, thing about Fairfield is it has a lot of big fish. It's not like you're lucking out to catch a big fish. It has a lot of big fish. Yeah, it does. I mean, I mean you can go in a 200-yard area on Fairfield on a good day, and you could I, – I went uh, two weeks ago. I don't know if you saw my post on Facebook. I went over there and broke 200 inches. In Benbrook? No, in Fairfield. Oh, Fairfield, yeah. Brian knows where I was. Brian saw me the time before. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I had, there in the boat. Brian, when we're done, can you go around after we stop recording? I had, I, had, uh, <laughs> I had five that were like 20 and a half inches long, and I had three others that were like 21 and a half to 22 and a half inches, and I had two 19s. 
I broke 200 inches and, and I caught them within a 200 yard stretch. That's crazy. I see the comments from Dale, um, Scott, Jared, uh, Bachelman. I apologize. I mispronounced that. And I appreciate you guys comment. I hear, um, you know, uh, government Abbott attempting to use eminent domain against fiscal corp. I hope that's true. Like I said, legislation has been introduced to do so. Um, Republican state, uh, Republican state rep Angela Orr of Hill country filed to preserve the lake preserve in the state register. And I got to check my hair. Um, you know, guys, I, I hope that's true. You know, I, I hate to have a grim outcome of it. I hope that's true. I hope they're doing it for the best interest and not for their own pocket or just posturing to get votes and behind closed door, not really doing anything about it. I hope it is. I, I like I, you know, I respect you guys uh, sharing your opinions and I really do hope that's the case. You know, I don't want to come here and feel like I'm bashing anybody. We're just talking in general terms. We know how, you know, money talks and it's been a, an ongoing problem here in Texas. I know, I don't know if um, talking about, uh, public land versus private land. I think we're the state with the less. Well, yeah, I think it's we're one of the states, if not the state, with the less public land by percentage. Of course, we're a big state, so we sure we have more public land than Rhode Island, for example. But when we go by percentage, it, it is like one percent, and that's something that I wish. I mean, there's really nothing you can do about it now, because what are you going to do? Take uh, property away from people? That's not right either, and I. I certainly don't condone that. Um, but it, it's it's something that's sad. I, there should be more public access for both hunters, hikers, and everybody else that just loves outdoors. There's not a lot of places right now here in Texas where you can go. I watched recently this documentary that was narrated by Matthew McConaughey. Underneath Texas Sky, I think it came out in um, limited... Um, uh, theaters and i think it's on either netflix or apple tv if you haven't watched it go watch if anybody knows what the name of that documentary is feel free to put it on the comments great documentary and it really highlights that you know how wildlife in texas is being affected because there's really very little safe haven for wildlife here in texas and we're talking about you know ranchers that put like uh, uh cougar traps you know like you, they step on them and that clamp, I forgot the name of those. What's the name of those traps where you step on? Oh, just the foot trap. Yeah, the foot trap. Yeah, foot the trap. paw trap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they would just leave the, you know, the mountain lions to just die of starvation, which is really sad. I think in the document it said they had tagged six mountain lions they were tracking and here in, in I think it was West Texas, uh, West Texas Mountain, and, and all six had been killed by ranchers. Uh, and again, I understand that they're protecting the ranch. You know, I'm not, you know, I don't, again, I don't want to demonize anybody, but it just highlights the problem that we're having. I've, one of the saddest things on that video is you see this uh, deep in the heart of Texas. Um, thank you, Jail. Um, you see this video of this bear in the mountains of te West Texas with three legs. He had chewed off his own back leg in order to escape the trap. And he was just hobbling around in three. That's the saddest thing I've ever seen, man. I was that, I was like, that was heartbreaking just to see that. And I get it, you know, again, it's, you know, people need to protect their cattle, need to protect their land and all that. But I just feel like there's something that we're, that uh, being such a big state that there's not more 
uh, open land to enjoy and hunting. And again, all, all those other uh, sports, the outdoor sports that we love, like fishing. Guys, thank you so much. I've had you for an hour and 14 minutes, and I really do appreciate it. I want to give you, guys, all of you to uh, give your shout-outs. Uh, any last words? Jim, let's start with you. Any last words? Anybody you want to plug in and shout-out? Well, number one, are you going to Fairfield before it closes? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, no, definitely <laughs> right. now. I thought it was closed. I ain't going Saturday and Sunday. I ain't dealing with that. All right, go fish the south end. South end. I fished the mid lake. I fished where I wasn't supposed to fish, but uh, I'm oh, not going back there. Right, right now, if you want to catch fish, go fish the south end. There we go. In the grass on the south end. Wish you would have told me that before, <laughs> after I ended the recording, but it's okay. <laughs> now everybody knows. Everyone's everybody knows. Like, oh, everybody, there's going to be 50, 50 kayaks on the south end. They're getting harder to catch, man. I bet. I think every one of those fish has been sore lipped down there. Yeah, no, they were like, yep, yeah, there goes another jackhammer. Yep. There's good. There's Jim's here. Look, a drop shot worm. Well, you know, I, I can catch a bunch of them down there on a rattle trap, but I've caught all my bigger ones on a drop shot. I've making, caught, making I mean, I catch 20s on a rattle trap, but my 21s and 22s and 23s I've all caught on the drop shot. Yeah. Now, Brian's buddy caught a 23 that day we were there, yeah. right? And that was on yeah. a rattle trap, right? Yeah, rattle trap. There's like a 23, 23 something. Yeah, I've caught two 23s down there and a 22 and a half. And then today, Derek caught a 23 and three quarters. There goes. So Jim, make us a believer of the drop shot. I, I fish it a lot. You know, it's probably a, a fault of mine. I probably fish it more than I should. I should fish <laughs> other stuff. But, hey, man, when it works, it's hard to go away from it. You know, and that's I, – I know what you're saying, and that's something now that I regret not going to Fairfield. And same thing with, again, the unnamed lake that Jason goes to that I love. I purposely avoid hitting those lakes too often because I feel like I get, you know, stagnant on my knowledge. If I'm going to a lake that I am always know how to catch and it's really, I don't really have to put a pulse together. It's right there. I caught it the first time. You know, things change and days, one day might be more difficult than the other. But it's straightforward, simple in what you're doing. I think a lot of times you you get stagnant in your progress as a, an angler. And to me, I've always wanted to get better. I know, Brian, you're the same way fishing on tournaments. So I purposely haven't gone to Fairfield since the last six months just because I figured, A, I'm spoiling myself, and, and B, I'm stunning my growth and my knowledge if I just keep going to a place that I already know how to catch them. Looking back at it, I wish I would have gone more. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's one of the things that I like every now and then I like to go to a lake, like Lake Worth or Grapevine Lake, where I know it's going to suck for me, but at least, you know, kind of keeps me humble and hungry to like, okay, I'm not as good. Maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. And I still have to work on my craft. So that's something to keep in mind, but yeah, <laughs> right now that goes out the window goes, go to Fairfield before it closes. Forget about, you can learn another day, <laughs> something different. Brian, uh, want to give you a chance as well to give you a shout outs and uh, any last words? Yeah, just shout out to my wife, my son, all my friends, Dobbins Rods, Dakota Lithium, Newport Vessels. And uh, I just have one other thing to say about what Jim was throwing that drop shot with my buddy when we were out there that day. And, you know, Jim's over there in his kayak and we're in the bass boat. And he's like watching, he's like, 
what is he throwing? He's throwing that big worm. He throws that in the winter. He's like, he's a, he has some weird rig. I'm like, oh yeah, he's a drop shotter. He's like, oh, what? he drop shots in the winter with a big worm. And he thought it was so weird. You know, so, so that Sunday Derby tournament, I threw that darn drop shot and I caught just a couple of fish over there. And you went out, you went over there behind me with the rattle trap and slayed them in the same darn spot. So yeah, there's times, there's times, and, and I was there a week before and I smoked them on the drop shot. So there's times it helps me and there's times it hurts me. Yeah. So. Jason, what about you? Last words? Uh, like I said, I'm going to miss Fairfield. I mean, like I said, I haven't went that many times, but it's going to be – that lake, was, it will definitely be missed. Uh, I guess a shout-out to me and my wife. She supports me in all I want to do and be gone away from the house so many times. Uh, Jim, like I said, he, he taught me about the old uh, – I want to say it's not necessarily it's not a your typical drop shot. It's I call it the gym shot. Uh, Brian <laughs> Brian taught me a lot of stuff. I mean the punching and the, all that mess and it, it like I said it it it's it's good stuff and uh, uh, these guys these guys I mean I'm I'm nothing compared to these guys. These guys are amazing. I mean I've learned a lot from the these two especially and you know so um thanks for having me on and that's it jason it kind of sounded like you're getting choked up as you saying, saying goodbye to fairfield there for you a know, second you uh, know. sound like you're like almost wanted to cry there for a second he oh, no. be crying because yeah. because second on the list behind fairfield is jason's lake yeah so <laughs> that's exactly what i was gonna say people are going to jason's lake right? that is exactly well, what i was gonna say <laughs> well well the other no i mean i mean like i said it, it's I mean, I've, I've noticed a lot of people from DFW, and I'm not knocking DFW people, but I noticed they come up, they come up this northeast Texas way, and they, uh, they, they, they don't know how to pick up their trash. Hey, that, that aggravates me. That wasn't me. me. That wasn't me. I me. actually, I actually pick up trash. No, from no, no. People. no, I know, I know, you don't. Armando You're talking just, about my SD cards that I left. Did you ever found them, by the way? I know no, I haven't. About that. No, I, I, I found a lot of stuff right out there. here. I, I found a lot of stuff up here, but yeah. not. I, I looked and looked and looked. I never found your SD cards. Man. <laughs> hey, man, I, look, I found your trash on the bottom of your lake. All right? <laughs> so, I'm sure so you Mondo, did. Jason's wife lost a rod and reel in that lake. And yes, I, I, I went over there with my 360 and I found it. I saw brand, that, I saw brand new rod and reel. And here he is. There, and here he is. My, um, with my 360 and I, and I you could see the you could clearly see the crank handle. And I told Jason it's right there, five feet from my kayak, cast right there. And you caught and it? I, it? I did. <laughs> I think I remember that story. I think I remember uh, you told me that story. You posted it or something. I know I heard that story before. Yeah, that happened. And staining the good name of the people here in DFW. Yeah. How dare you? But if he, if he wants, <laughs> I, if he wants, I won't go back. 
No, I'm sure. <laughs> and I, I was just going to say that. I mean, I feel bad for Jason because of that same thing. Like, Derek Miller and Jim are just going to go up there, and that will never be the same. <laughs> no, oh, no. no. You know, it, it they go out there year. and they wreck them. And I'm like, how in the hell do y'all do this? <laughs> you wrecked them over there as well, Jason. I have, but it takes work and they do it effortlessly. Yeah. So does Brian. And Jim Eagle, too. I've seen Jim Eagle there as well. Yeah, Jim does the same thing. Yeah. I don't know if his last name is Eagle. I just call him by um, his Instagram name. So I think it's maybe it's just yeah. Instagram handle. Yeah. But anyway, hey, did well, you ever see the uh, video of the Googans went there when the lake was closed during during a COVID? Fairfield? No, Jason's he, Lake. Oh, they, they did. They they passed between the pipe and the lake by that tree. If you, you know, and and they with a truck and a boat, they 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 drove. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The pipe mm -hmm. ends right by the lake. They passed in that gap that. right there and launched their boat. Go look on on YouTube. You could find it. And they they caught a bunch of fish in there. They didn't catch any real big ones, but they got in there during COVID. And what a boat. All these people listening or watching are going to be like, what lake? They're going to be so much buzz. We should stop talking about that lake, yeah. by the way. About <laughs> Welch, Welch Lake. It's Welch Lake talk. <laughs> hey, that's another yeah. darn good lake, by the way. Lake Walkney. Welsh is Welsh is nothing wrong with that lake. No, this is the thing I wanted to ask to walk any before That's I let good, you go. Right? I know I know you I've had you for way more than I promise you I will have you on. But Lake Tawakani, I think the worst thing about for like tell you Lake Tawakani is like the redheader stepsister from uh Lake Fork because they're right next to each other and Lake Fork gets all this publicity and I've never heard anybody say anything about Lake Tawakani. Is it good? I never fished it. Is it good? Is it yeah, it's good. It's underrated. It's super underrated. Nobody talks about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Every time I, I've gone, it's been pretty good. It's not as good as Fork, I wouldn't say, but it's yeah. a good lake. It's got grass. I've never there. been on it. I've never been on grass. Yeah, there's yeah, there's some lily pads fields over there that are. Yeah, I'll give you another lake, and I'll, I'll mention this one because I, if anybody from that area is going to get upset at me, so be it. But small lake. Two acre lake, very similar to Jason's lake. It's next to, uh, it's somewhere, I think south of Lake Fork. And it goes by a different name. I've, I, on Google, it's called Two Acre Lake, but it has a different name because I know uh, the guy that built my trailer. Um, I know what you're talking about. Dustin Black was telling me, I was asking about Two Acre Lake, like, what lake are you talking about? So I sent a pin drop. It's like, oh no, that's, that's not the name of that lake. That lake, very similar to Jason's lake, is also amazing lake. So Thanks go there. Goes there. Yeah, go there, everybody. It's better <laughs> than Jason's lake. No, that it really is. It's good. a two-acre lake. If you haven't gone, beautiful lake, too, as well. Got a couple of 20 inches there. All right, guys, I'll let you go. I thank you again so much for those out there that are listening couple of things that I always like to remind everybody, if you're going to be on the water in your kayak, even though it's not required by law, please wear your PFDs when you're on the water. It, you know, save your life, especially in winter, although it's getting warm already. But, you know, wear your PFDs. If you're going to have a couple of beers, just, you know, drink responsibly. Make sure you take the necessary precautions to just make it back home to your loved one. So thank you again for listening. Thank you to my guests, Jim, Jason, and Brian. 
It's been an honor to have this gentleman. We'll see what happens with Fairfield in the future. Hopefully, it'll stay open for a few more generations. So thank you again, everybody, for watching or listening. Remember, if you're listening on MP3 format, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leave us your five-star reviews. It does help out with the growth of the podcast. I appreciate you all. Have a great night, everyone. Thank you. All right. Nice. Thanks.